Blog Talk Radio. everyone to uh, a podcast that Sonics Rising has not done in quite a while, and it's called The Downstroke, and um, this is actually the first one that I've been involved with. I'm Paul Rogers. I usually do the Sinbin podcast for Sonics Rising, um, but we wanted to bring The Downstroke back because we have a very special guest tonight, and that is uh, Sonics Broadcasting le- uh, legend Kevin Calabro, um, and also joining us tonight, we've got Brian Robinson, and, and I'm going to let Brian and Kevin do most of the talking here, but uh, Brian, are you there? I am here, Paul. Thanks for come, jumping in tonight. All right. Glad to do it. Anytime, any any chance we get to talk to KC, we're going to take it. And speaking of KC, um, Mr. Kevin Calabro, can you hear me? I sure can, Paul. How you doing? Hi, Brian. Hey Kevin, how are you, man? That that intro got me excited. (laughs) Can we just listen to the whole song, please? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little, little more Parliament, please. All right. So, um, Kevin, since the last time you were on our show, um, and you actually hosted some of our shows back in the day, but since the last time you were on, we've we've had quite a few changes uh, happen in in the arena front and, and everything else. And I'm just going to let Brian kind of dive into this interview. Brian, go ahead and take it from here. Thanks a lot, Paul. Uh, Kevin, again, man, just thanks for jumping on, my friend. I, I, I want to tell you, I was thinking about it leading up to this, and you are my favorite, Sonic. Uh, I just thought about your voice and, and everything you mean. I don't know if I ever told you the story about the uh, the dad with the autistic child that we met in Olympia when we were one day rallying who talked about your voice and what, how soothing and calming your voice was to his kid and how um, he used to play recordings of you and the best of Kevin Calabro. Um, that was one of the really touching moments for me on, on this whole journey. And just, um, I, I just, I don't know. I was leading up to this. It's actually quite emotional thinking about you. Um, but now you're the voice of the Blazers. So I don't know whether to, uh, to, uh, to love you or hate you a little bit with the hated Blazers. T- tell me, how does that feel, Be- being the voice well, of Blazers 10 years later? 
it's interesting you should bring that up. I, I obviously do on the television side, and Brian Wheeler is celebrating his 20th year as the, the, actually the, the voice of the Blazers on radio. And, you know, Wheels is doing extremely well, and I'm really proud of him. And, you know, he got his, his start there in Seattle at uh, KJR, our flagship station, and was around there for some pretty good years uh, uh, when we were uh, ruling the roost there in the mid 90s uh, in, the, in the Western Conference in Seattle. But, um, you know, I was just at a, a Blazer Booster party tonight for their longtime, some of their longtime season ticket holders, and they were telling me about uh, the old games at Memorial, and, and of course uh, when they when they initiated things in, in 1970, uh, uh, and a number of them were were original season ticket holders, and it seemed like uh, you, you, they were unanimously there, all there in '77 when they won the championship, but. Uh, there was a strong sentiment there that they would love to see the Sonics come back to Seattle just because we had those great rivalries uh, for so many years uh, there in Seattle. And I remember the old Coliseum, obviously. And then when we transitioned uh, over to the Tacoma Dome for a year, and and before that when we were actually in the Kingdom for a couple of years um, after they had been there back in the 80s, (laughs) uh, or the the early 80s, we were just recalling some of the, the spirited matchups uh, between uh, Kersey and Xavier McDaniel. Uh, you know, we, it was funny because we were telling stories. They're getting uh, their perspective of, of our old Sonic teams and, and my perspective of the, the Blazers at that time. Uh, so that's you know that's been unique, and I think that's the way I've approached this this new chapter in my career uh, here in Portland is just just to approach it as a. Uh, you know, we, we were rivals at one time, uh, still um, very much consider myself, even though I grew up in, in Indianapolis, Indiana, I've, I've been out here, uh, you know, since the age of 30. And so uh, since 1987, my wife and Sue and I have been here. All four of our kids are grown up and, and still live in Seattle. So we consider the Northwest our home and, you know, our future home, obviously, when we move into our twilight years. But uh, it's been a it's been a great experience. You know, last year was it was a little difficult because Mike and Mike were a long-time broadcasting uh, crew here that had been here for 16 years, and people really appreciated what they had done. But uh, it so often happens in the business. Uh, ownership decides it's time for a change. They're going to go in a different direction. And I was lucky enough that, uh, you know, they, they, they gave me a call and, and wondered if I was uh, interested. And uh, I was actually doing pretty well since the Sonics left. I, I've been blessed to work in a number of different uh, situations and freelancing uh, in, in, with various companies, and you know, did a talk show for a spell with Jim Moore, which was a wild experience. Did soccer for a year, which was you know an incredible experience. Worked for ESPN Television and Turner, and got a chance to do the NCAA tournament for Westwood One Radio, and did three NBA championships for ESPN Radio, and you know was c- content doing those games. But you know this was an opportunity, I think, to to reconnect with uh, fans here in the Northwest, and you know for the time being, I think. Uh, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it, there will never, ever be a substitute up in Seattle, obviously, for the Sonics. But at the time being, uh, I run into a number of uh, Sonic fans, folks from the state of Washington, who have come down here, come down for a weekend, share season tickets with other folks, and come down here to get their, their NBA Jones uh, down here and have become Portland Trailblazer fans. See a lot of, obviously, see a lot of old retro sonic gear and so forth down here as well in portland and just about anywhere else we go in the nba as a matter of fact so it's uh 
You know, it's a new chapter. Uh, I think there's certainly great support for uh, basketball to come back uh, to Seattle where they had just a tremendous legacy of 41 years of championship, a number of Hall of Famers as well. You know, it was an absolute tragedy uh, that that they left. It was one of the biggest missteps, I think, that the league has made. That and moving Vancouver to, to Memphis as well, I thought were two enormous missteps made by by David Stern that uh, even you know even now he's reluctant to, to cop to, but um, ultimately I think that that uh, responsibility resided with uh, with the commissioner. Um, I don't think that uh, enough was done by the commissioner over the years to keep basketball in Seattle. But you know that's all it's all come and gone now. We we moved to a new chapter and. You know, from afar, I kind of studied what's going on up there, and it seems it seems promising. It, it, it was all as it has uh, over the last how many years now. It's revolved around the building and and what can be done uh, with with the building, uh, either the space, it's, uh, the existing uh, Coliseum, uh, Key Arena, or uh, uh, the, the space down in Soto. And it looks like it's it's going to be the uh, going to be the Coliseum uh, for the time being. Well, it looks like we're getting a new building there for sure, and like you said, it's. Um that's kind of been the crux, you know, um, big mistakes were made. And it's funny how long, when you, if you make a big enough mistake, how long it takes to correct it. Oh, um, and, and I mean, it's, it's just gone on and on forever. I don't think we could have ever predicted all of this. Um, you know, I, I never at the end of it would have predicted that, that, um, you know, you'd move on to a new franchise. And I got to tell you, man, I tease you about it, but I just love hearing your voice. So I'm oh, well, I thrilled that. that you made that. I just love hearing your voice when I turn it on. You know, uh, we've taken a lot of grief. I'm not sure if you follow this little thing called Twitter, but, um, you know, supporting the key has not been a popular decision with all the Sonics fans. There's been a lot of people um, who want to see Chris be successful, as do I. And as I know, uh, you value the guy. Uh, as well, but um, but it does at this point look like Key Arena is getting built. It's getting built for hockey, and I uh, uh, for starters for hockey. And, and you you brought up all of your different things, and the voice of the Sounders was one that I remember because I remember as a fan when they announced that you were going to be the voice of the Sounders in their inaugural season, and I thought, what a gimmick! I cannot believe they're going to do this, <laughs> and, and Sonics fans are just going to follow, and. Um, <laughs> And by gosh, it worked. And so, you know, I don't know what your contract situation is there in Portland, but you ever get any thought to calling the NHL in a couple of years? Uh, no. Uh, you know, I did minor <laughs> league hockey once uh, in the old Central League for uh, the Indianapolis Checkers. It was my my first uh, uh, good-paying uh, professional sports job, and uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I knew nothing about hockey. I actually played a lot of pond hockey. Uh, but didn't know the nuances of the sports, certainly. Um, and when they hired me, it was on the insistence of the radio station that I was working for. I had worked there for about three years, WIBC in Indianapolis. And they wanted to give this young guy an opportunity because I had I'd worked, I think, pretty hard doing some high school basketball and uh, covering some college athletics for him as well at Purdue and uh, at Indiana University. Uh, with no play-by-play involved there, mind you, and, and produced and was doing an overnight show and the whole thing. And so they gave me this, this great opportunity to do hockey. But they sent me to uh, the New York Islanders. Uh, we were the New York Islanders minor league team, and so they sent us to Rye, New York, and Long Island uh, 
for me to do a, a two-week boot camp with the great Jiggs McDonald, who was the original voice of the New York Islanders. Now, this was at a time, mind you, when the Islanders were winning four consecutive Stanley Cups. So this goes back to the early 80s, 80, 81, 82, 83. Uh, and they hired me, I think, in the year, I think it was 1987, uh, 1981, um, to do the minor league hockey. And went out just did immerse myself for two weeks. Uh, I'm watching Mike Bossy and Kenny Morrow, who had just been on that Olympic team in 1980, uh, Claude Gillies, uh, Bobby Nystrom, I mean, all Billy Smith, the goaltender, I mean, all of these guys from those, those early Islander teams in the 80s, watching them work out against our young guys, it was absolutely fantastic. And then did an 80-game schedule by myself, no color announcer, by myself, did all the intermission interviews and so forth, did my own engineering. It was a, a tremendous experience. I really enjoyed it. Hockey, I think, is going to do wonderfully in Seattle. I, I mean, it is a – I love watching live hockey. I'm not a fan of watching hockey on television. But when I'm – if we have an off night when we're on the road, I've caught games uh, in Toronto several times, in Boston once, in Detroit once, uh, down in uh, – I tell you what, I think – the Coyotes facility down in Glendale is spectacular. I've been to a couple of games down there as well. It is that that, that facility gets yeah. a lot of grief. But you know, I, I just that don't facility. It's a beautiful facility, but obviously, it's such a it's a long it's a long drive and rush hour traffic from Scottsdale, where most of the population lives, to get over Glendale to see the see the hockey. But it's uh, I think I think it'll do wonderfully in Seattle. I wish them the best of that. I really think so. I really think the fan base. This is actually you know kind of where I thought it would be interesting to talk with you. I think the fans are going to have to figure out how to transition from basketball fans to hockey fans, but still be basketball fans and somehow get really enthusiastic and lose ourselves in hockey for a couple of years and, um, and not feel guilty about giving up on the NBA and not give up on the NBA. I think that there's a going to be uh, given everything we've been through that um, for Sonics fans, anyway, I think there's going to be a, period, a group of hockey fans that are going to do just fine. But for basketball fans, it's going to be a really interesting process watching the next couple of years as everybody kind of um, comes to terms with it and gets used to it and, and decides that it's okay to be unabashedly enthusiastic, that it's not um, a betrayal of the Sonics memory to, to get into the, the hockey and, and to just go with it for a few years. Uh, I know for me, I'm going to struggle with that a little bit, with that balance. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's uh, if that's the way you uh, make yourself uh, uh, a potential home for basketball, for NBA, uh, then I think people understand that. Uh, you know, we're going to do this arena, uh, live events, concerts, and so forth. Uh, NHL is going to be in that uh, arena for a minimum of, of 40 dates as well, some preseason games and hopefully some postseason as well. Uh, I think people understand that. This is the way you get a building built, and, and this is the way you make uh, a new home, and a potential landing spot for an NBA franchise, whether it be through relocation or through expansion. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to tell what will happen in the future. I know that the NBA is going to be very, very reluctant to relocate a team, and there's been no talk of expansion either. Uh, so a real, real talk anyway, uh, publicly among the principals. Privately, you never know really what's going on. Uh, but I, you know, look, I, between the two minor league teams that are doing, as I understand it pretty well, they're in the Seattle area in Everett, Kent, 
at youth hockey uh, and transplants from Canada, I think they're going to have a tremendous base. You know, that was the whole discussion that they were having about the Sounders. I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure Joe and and the rest of the guys really knew. Uh, I mean, they had a sense that when the Sonics moved out, they would leave a vacuum there for some sports fans. But how do you really compute that? All right, the NBA fan is suddenly going to become a soccer fan. But you know, and and to to say that all right. Because we, because there's a thriving youth uh, soccer program throughout uh, Seattle and, and the Northwest, that doesn't necessarily compute to, so they will support professional soccer as well. Uh, but, you know, there was that groundswell of support for the old North American Soccer League back in the day. Uh, there was a, a, a really, a, I thought, a, a very good network of fine college coaching and college, small college programs in Seattle as well. Uh, and, and through all of that, they were able to, I mean, look at what they've got now. I mean, the, 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 the highest attendance in, in, in professional soccer in the United States. So it's, you know, it's, I think it's doable. Uh, I think Seattle, I think Seattle's that kind of town that uh, it's got a blue collarish uh, feel to it as well with the football interest and so forth. Hockey appeals to that. Uh, I just, I really think it's gonna, it's just gonna knock people out because you, you get into that environment, and that rink, and the sound, and the, and the you hear the skates, the puck, uh, the crash of these guys against the dasher board, um, the speed of the game. Uh, it's, I think it's captivating. I think people will love it. Yeah, and I, I'm a believer. I know Tim Lewicki says we can't demand it. We can't push them. We can't apply any pressure. Chris Hansen said virtually the same words before that, can't push the league. But I'm a big believer that um, this, is a, this is a market that's in demand. There's a lot of corporate money here. There's a lot about Seattle these professional sports teams like. And I think that if hockey goes off to a gangbuster start, and people who've been basketball fans start to embrace hockey, and hockey becomes the talk of the town. And most importantly, hockey starts to take some of the corporate money and attention. I think that that's the best move we can make to, to, that, that will, in fact, push the NBA to say, okay, we've wanted to solve this problem for a while. Uh, maybe now we better need to step up to the table and start talking about how to solve it. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree that the numbers are certainly there, I think. Uh, in terms of just sheer uh, population, growing population, you know, one of the one of, one of the most uh, every year you see the population grow, uh, both in Seattle and in Portland exponentially more than, than a number of cities in the United States. Almost all, of them, as a matter of fact, uh, people from the coast are, are, on the West Coast are, are clamoring to get to cities like the Portland and Seattle because they're still. In my mind, they're still somewhat undiscovered. I mean, you know, I mean, even though you see cranes everywhere on the horizon there in in Seattle, it's just amazing the transfer, transformation in that town. Uh, I I don't think there's any question that there there's enough dollar there, uh, enough corporate interest certainly uh, to to go around. And, and my understanding is obviously hockey doesn't have near the the television money coming in that that the NBA enjoys, so they've. They've obviously they've got to go out and get signing uh, rights and, and uh, suite sales and uh, ticket sales and, and that's got to be that's got to be bountiful and that that has to be lucrative in order for it to in order for it to work because they're just not drawing on those those television dollars that uh, that the NBA does. Uh, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm getting really excited for a franchise launch, man. Do you remember when uh, the first season for the Sounders, I, I can't remember how early you signed up for that, but what was the enthusiasm like for that first season leading up into the, into the couple of months and, and um, what all did they do? Do you have any, any fond memories of that period right before the season, right, right when they were launching a brand new franchise? Yeah, I remember they brought uh, Ziggy Schmidt into town, and we took him down to uh, down to uh, Mick McHugh's down to, uh, on, on in Pioneer Square, and we we went into the bar, and the place was absolutely packed, and they had Ziggy stand up on the bar, and the crowd just went ape, just went crazy. Um, you know, everyone had their scarves, and um, uh, Ziggy got up and and gave a, a rousing speech, and we all had a round of beers. The place was just packed. And, you know, it was just full of folks that, like I say, were NASL fans, were uh, small college soccer fans that had played the game themselves. They were just absolutely crazed with the notion that, you know, now they had their own professional team here. Uh, and then Freddie Lewenberg was announced, I think, a week or two later as uh, their big, the big-name signing. I remember the, the press conference for that. And there was a whole lot of buzz about that. And, of course, you're playing in this, this spectacular uh, football stadium down in downtown Seattle. Uh, and that was the other uh, huge attraction. It was just the fact that you're, you're going to be in this incredible venue uh, to watch this brand-new sport that has come to Seattle after the NBA has left town. Uh, and it filled the void. Uh, it was it was phenomenal. I remember going to a couple of practices in uh, in Tukwila and their and their uh, uh, facility down there, and that was packed. Uh, folks just uh, you know crazy at the notion that these guys are trying out that they're practicing down there. Uh, there was so much buzz uh, for the sport, uh, and uh, obviously media was uh, all over it uh, because. Uh, you know, it again, it filled that void left by left by the Sonics moving on. And then, you know, once they got into the building, they, they had a couple of friendlies there. And I remember Barcelona coming in town with uh, Lionel Messi, and Messi gave the Messi gave the Sounders uh, four goals in the first half of that game. And I remember we had a defenseman by the name of uh, Roger Levesque on that first uh, that first year, a, a wonderful guy. And I, I asked Roger, I said, well, so what was that like? You know, you, 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 you're trying to mark Messi out there on the field. And he said, well, says it was like trying to catch smoke. So the guy was phenomenal. You know, he, it was incredible. You know, and they packed the place for the friendlies. And then they limited the attendance, I remember. Uh, I can't recall exactly what the number was, maybe 26,000. But they capped the attendance, and they covered up the upper portions of uh, CenturyLink Field. And uh, Questfield, then I guess. And uh, I remember there was uh, the biggest complaint about the team was the fact that ownership wouldn't sell more tickets, and they didn't want to <laughs> overextend themselves. They wanted to be very cautious with that. They didn't know quite what to expect or what the uh, you know what the out- attendance would be of the outpouring. And I think Gary Wright, who was one of the executives, I think Gary was even surprised by that. Um, and eventually at some point in the season, maybe a third of the way into the season, they then increased seating, I think maybe by maybe 5,000 and they filled that up. And, you know, in the meantime, we're going out to places like Kansas city and they're playing on an old minor league baseball facility, you know, in Kansas city, Kansas. And I remember we're broadcasting 
down on the field, but we were offset from midfield. We were almost a third of the way down down the pitch, and uh, you know, looking, uh, it was uh, just a horrible position to, to broadcast the game. Because first of all, you're 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 field level, and then second of all, you're not even at midfield. And I was thinking, wow, I, I don't know if this league's going to take off or not, but it's going to be successful in Seattle. But boy, you know, these other cities, I'm I'm not quite sure. But, you know, I went to the other facilities, uh, like uh, the one in Utah, in Sandy, Utah, where Utah was playing. It was just a wonderful facility. Uh, obviously, uh, the one that they had in Carson in, uh, in, in Los Angeles uh, is a, it was a very nice facility shared by two teams there at the time. Uh, so, you know, they were, this was before the expansion to Montreal and some of the other cities, Vancouver and so forth, and to Portland. Um, but but they, I knew that... Uh, Expansion wasn't on the horizon. They were talking about Philadelphia, possibly. Miami was always mentioned as well uh, as a possibility. Um, but it was, um, yeah, I, I have fond memories of doing that. And, and I was working with Greg Vanny, who's now the coach of Toronto, doing just a, a marvelous job in Toronto. And Vanny was funny. And Tim, Vanny, Tim Laiwiki hired him. That, that's Tim's pipeline yeah. to you, I think. There, there you go. Was, He's going <laughs> to. Vanny was funny. I just quick story he you know he played on the national teams and he played in the league for a number of years and and was and Ziggy knew him extremely well he knew all the players he was a terrific guy but he had never done any broadcasting and he says what could possibly go wrong he says you know nothing about soccer I know nothing about broadcasting it, it'll be perfect <laughs> so you know off we went we did, our, we did our thing you use the word fill in the void and, and I I really remember being bitter about the way they were filling the void and, and wanting to dislike the Sounders and wanting them um, to not take the Sonics' place. And um, if when I give advice to the guys at OVG, not like not like anyone listens, but you know, it's this, the thing I learned from the Sounders. It's just got to be more fun. Like it's got to be more fun to go there and cheer and have a good time than it is to 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 wallow in it. And um, I think that's what they've got to do with hockey for these next three years. They've got to focus on making it more fun for the fans, better to cheer, better to go out so we can all just go have a good time. And in the end, I think that wins sports fans back every time, you know, people get over it. And I think people are going to have a really good time as long as they make it fun. Yeah. That's, you know, I think that's, that's certainly the issue if you've had a franchise for a long, long time. And I thought that's what happened with the Sonics. We, we we kind of run out, we ran out of gas, which was natural. The, the lockout in uh, what was it ninety nine two thousand certainly didn't help. Uh, George Carl's contract nope. came to an end, and as all you know, good things do they they, they do eventually uh, they, they wind down. And so you know they made a transition. Sean moves on. Vin Baker playing with Gary Payton with Paul Westfall uh, during a, a, sh- a strike shortened year. We lost a lot of momentum. I thought that that we had gained in the, in the mid nineties. And so we were reinventing ourselves and we never, uh, we never really found our footing. I don't think it was the one year that we had, I want to go back to, I think it was Oh four, 2005 or four. Yeah. The pre the previous year, I think we had won 38 or 39 games. I remember that year we came in with uh, a team full of free agents, including a coach who was in the last year of his contract, uh, Nate McMillan. And Dwayne Casey, as it turned out, was in the last year of his contract. Yep. He was an assistant. And remember the, that year, they, they uh, I'll be darned, they didn't end up winning 52 games. Uh, you know, we going to the playoffs. Yeah, great run in the playoffs. Of free agents. You know, I remember that was that. And, and it was Nick, 
Nick Collison's true rookie year, the year before he was out because he had the double double uh, shoulder surgery, uh, and so his uh, be his second year, but the first year he really played. He played a lot of five for us. I remember, matched up extremely well against Tim Duncan when yeah. we, when we played uh, the San Antonio Spurs. You know, and, 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 like, and didn't wasn't that the year Danny Fortson just came and just was an amazing player for a year. Just, just had a great yeah, Antonio, year. Was, was Antonio that the Daniels. Uh, remember, we finished games. <laughs> Redenauer would start, and Daniels would actually finish the games. Um, uh, Jerome James was a free agent on that team. I mean, it was, it was just, it was a team of, of renegades and free agents. It was, it was crazy. We had a great time. You know, a, a lot of, um, I think, a lot of questionable decisions in the end, as you said, kind of dampening enthusiasm. But I was really struck. Uh, Steve Ballmer was quoted in GeekWire the other days and, and he, he I I'm getting more and more impressed with Ballmer as things go on. And and he made this comment, he says it should be a call to civic leaders that we blew it. We blew it. Um I feel like the city and the county and the state were part of blowing it. I thought existing ownership was part of blowing it in terms of what it did. You have to say our community didn't know what it needed to do and you can see that now because we don't have a team. Which I thought were really powerful words. And then you combine that with um, Tim Liewicki in a couple of interviews, one on Sonics Rising and one with Bill Wixie, stating very clearly that David Stern considers the Sonics loss um, the greatest failure of his career. He says he'll admit that to anybody. And David Stern, in that same GeekWire article, says um, that Seattle deserves a team. And, I, you know, there aren't many folks around anymore who are part of it. The, the city, Greg Nichols is gone. Tim Cease is gone. But I think that... Um, there's some healthiness in, in admitting that that, that was a, just a really bad situation that everybody handled poorly. The city handled it poorly. I handled yeah. it poorly. The group handled it poorly. The team, everybody. And I'm kind of encouraged by hearing all these conversations because it feels like there's a little bit of moving on and that the thawing of the, the relationship between the city and the, and the league has finally taken a step forward and kind of moved past all the garbage. Do, do you get that sense that, that um, yeah, there just know, seems to be a little bit of a more positive dialogue? Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, I did mention Stern earlier in our conversation and how I, I, I felt like he hadn't copped to it. And maybe that – and that probably is unfair because I did read the same article that you did, and I, I was impressed by that. Uh, and I do agree that that is healthy to move forward like that uh, with all the principles acknowledging, certainly. But, yeah, I mean, there was blame all around. There's no question about that. I just felt like I, as I, commissioner of basketball, ultimately he had to say he had he could have persuaded the owners. He could have uh, somehow gone out and found a group. Uh, and it could have shown a little more patience and so forth. But, again, you know, if, 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 if he coming out publicly – uh, making a statement like that, you know, makes it better. Uh, uh, and, and he's admitting that, you know, he had he had some responsibility in that. Then, you know, then I think we accept that. We move on, and you know, you look for a way to, to obviously to remedy that. I think it's what we're going to get. You know, I, I don't think it's there's nothing about this situation that's ever going to be perfect. You can't, as a one of your co-broadcasters once said, you can't make chicken soup out of chicken shit. You remember who that was, Kevin? <laughs> Right there, in Seattle. <laughs> that was one of my favorite uh, Sonics interviews right when he was there. traded from the Chicago Bulls after being signed to replace Michael Jordan. Um, it, it feels to me, and I know you've got to get going, so I'm going to wrap it up after this one. And, uh, Paul, I don't know what, if, if you want to jump in or anything, but 
uh, watching a lot of broadcasts and, and just kind of following the league, it it does seem like um, more and more people people are talking about the fact that Seattle deserves a team. They're acknowledging there was some that it, that there was a, a wrong that needs to be righted, and um, there's a, a substantial effort to give the disclaimer that it's going to take a while. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a while. We don't know how it's going to happen. And there's a feeling that it could be, you know, the next television contract in 2024 or even later. But it does feel like people are talking about Seattle as an eventuality now, that, that, that someday, somehow it's going to happen, and it's no longer if. Uh, I know that you actually know how the Sonics are going to return, and you just can't tell us. But uh, do, you, do, you, do you get that same sense through through the people you talk to? Because I know you you uh, you know you you travel a bit, talk well, to a lot that, of people. Look, I, Brian, it's embarrassing how many times I get that question. It really is uh, because folks will ask me that in the presence of, of Blazer personnel. It really is embarrassing. And you know, I, hey, <laughs> I work for the Blazers now, and I you know I, I hope Seattle gets a team again. I think it's a great market. Uh, God bless you. Let's make it happen. But you know, I've got a commitment now to this this organization and this community. But I, I really do get that sense because, that, like you say, there is a buzz everywhere uh, about Seattle and about the Sonics and uh, the, 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 the possibility of, of getting a team back in Seattle. And, frankly, I go to other arenas and I don't sense you know, enthusiasm and excitement uh, for the product. Now, that doesn't necessarily you know, compute into, to, to, to moving a team, but, but I can tell you that there are some small markets uh, that aren't doing well that are going to have to rebuild again, that are going through that phase again, that are going to take a, 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 a downturn in attendance, that do have some uh, ownership uh, change that's uh, abreast, that's pending. So, you know, you, you never know what can happen. Um, things, things, as we know, <laughs> that we don't anticipate can happen very, very quickly. So... I, would, I wouldn't say – I mean, that's the talk right now uh, publicly from, from the decision-makers that, no, we're not moving a team, we're not relocating, and, no, there's, there's no plan for an expansion. But behind the scenes, there, there could be some other plans being made. You don't know. Uh, so I'd, I'd say stay tuned. I, I don't think – give up hope. I joke. I don't do you think uh do you think the buzz has picked up over the last couple of years, or is it tapered off, or is it about the same? Look, I see, like I was telling you, I see uh, merchandise, Sonic merchandise everywhere. Now, I think the league's actually producing some of that retro gear, which is kind of ironic. Uh, but uh, I see a lot of that. Uh, I see, and, and obviously the fans here that come down say hello to me uh, every night uh, that, we're, that we're in town here in Portland are, are all talking about the Sonics, the folks that come down from Seattle. So, you know, and these are young folks that you know are keeping that that hope alive. That's what's encouraging. These, you know, a lot of older folks, but these are younger folks too. You know, these are these are folks in their and like my son Joey. Uh, you know, he's, he's 22 now up at Western Washington, but you know, he was a huge fan from from the age six up to the time he was 12, 13 years of age. Uh, those 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 kids remember. Uh, they remember the Sonics without question. Um, and so it's encouraging when you see these young adults uh, when they come up and they, they ask that question about, you know, when are the, when are the Sonics coming back and what can they do to get them back and uh, are very much attuned to what's going on in the the uh, uh, the news there in, in Seattle about the arena and so forth. So 
that that part of it is encouraging. As long as you've got you've got young a young fan base that's that's interested that remembers. That's the thing that remembers uh, what it's all about. Then I think you've got a great chance of bringing them back. So was your kid twelve on the team last? I guess he would have been. been I just heard from you. It's, yeah, it's been ten years now, hasn't it? That's amazing. You know, I um. I, I think it is crazy, and I, I think we can just end on that. But I, I told you when we went in, you're my favorite Sonic. I have so many memories of listening to you on the radio, and, and um, you were one of my idols. And I just truly appreciate that you'll spend a little time with us, that you've come on through the years, a decade later. And um, if I had to, to just sum it all up, you know, your kid was 12 years old when the team left. And um, what you do professionally is professionally, I, I am – thrilled to have you as the voice of the Blazers, but you're a fan. You're one of us. You had to explain to your kid why the team was leaving, just like we had to explain to our kids. And uh, I just absolutely love you, Casey. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being a, a real, a real fan with us. Well, that's, that's really nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, tell all the fans up there, I said hello. And uh, we've got Minnesota down here tomorrow and, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be running into more Sonic fans tomorrow night. I always do. Uh, and, uh, I'll just I'll, I'll just tell you what I tell them. It's just just keep remembering, keep hope alive, and uh, enjoy what I think is the greatest game in the world, professional basketball. Tell tell Jamal hello from his from his city. We're yeah, uh, that's a fun young Timberwolves. Too, team. That's a fun young Timberwolves team too. It is. It really is. All right. Uh, Crawford's not so young anymore, but yeah, the rest of that group is. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul, you gonna jump on here at all? You got any? Got anything? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Hello, Kevin. Just one question. We had a, a contest at Sonics Rising in the last month or so about uh, NHL team name, and I was wondering if maybe you had a preference. We had it was Steelheads that wound up winning it. Of course, there was Thunderbirds, Totems. Uh, and all kind of names, but what, what would be a good NHL team name for Seattle? You know, I, I do kind of like the Totems, uh, but boy, why? I mean, why not go with the Metropolitan? Oh, school. You know, there, there are people who can no give you back. long lists of why not to. That there's a <laughs> yeah, there's a strong really anti-Metropolitan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, aside so, from so that, you're, I you're feel a vote for the Metro. So I guess I guess I would I guess I would go uh, against the flow, and I would go with Metropolitans first, Totems second, and Steelheads for me would be a distant third. Okay, fair enough. Um, so I mean, yeah, you, I you call them, what would you, you what would you call them? You call them the Steelies, I guess. You know, you kind of like all fans do. They kind of shorten it to Steelies. You call them the Steelies. Steelheads. Uh, it's just too hard to say, I think. I like Metro's. Well, I actually totems. I had a dark horse name, which was the Seattle Mammoths because of the mammoth test they found. And I <laughs> I guess deep down I just wanted to say go Mams. Go but Mams. no one wanted to go for that. <laughs> oh, very nice. But, uh, Kevin, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. It was, it was always It's always great to hear from you, and I know Sonics fans are going to love hearing from you. And uh, Brian, thanks for uh, jumping on as well. So thanks, guys. Sounds All right, good. guys. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Thank Brian. you. Thanks so much, right. Kevin. Go Sonics, guys. Yeah. Go Sonics.